0: Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I am your host, Tariq el For those of you who are joining us for the first time, Radio Islam is a live call-in talk radio program, and we air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, right here on WCEV 1450 AM. And we reach the world by streaming live at www.wcv1450.com. If you haven't already done so, folks, take a moment and stop by, whether it be Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. You can find us all at the same username. That is at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. Like us. Follow us. Uh, let us know what you think about what you're hearing If you've got a question that you would like to pose for tonight's guest, which is a a really great guest we've got in the studio, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him in just a moment, uh, you can either give us a call at 312-750-1178, that's 312-750-1178, or you can reach us, as I mentioned, you can reach us at Twitter, uh, that is at Radio Islam USA, or on Facebook at Radio Islam USA. As a matter of fact, we already have a post up, and we let you know who our guest for the evening is. It is Anthony E. Simpkins. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you this whole rundown, uh, but before I do that, uh, before I do that, I'm going to clear my throat because obviously I'm being attacked by a frog, so I'm going to turn this mic down. (coughs) All right. Oh, that's better. That's better. <laughs> There's that soothing baritone. All right. So um, tonight we have, as I said, we have uh, actually let me let me call him properly, the Honorable Judge Anthony Simpkins. Um, currently, he is the managing deputy commissioner of the Housing Bureau for the City of Chicago, uh, Department of Planning and Development, and he is the former uh, judge of the Circuit Court of uh, Cook County, Illinois. Which district was that?
1: Uh, So Cook County is a consolidated uh, judicial district, so any judge can serve anywhere depending on where they're assigned. Uh, However, for uh, electoral purposes, uh, my district was the First Subcircuit, which is uh, basically the southeast side of the city and out into the suburbs uh, sort of the Thornton Township area So from about say 75th Street South east of um, Cottage Grove It okay. was sort of my area down into um, Burnham And, and uh, that area down there
0: Okay so uh, <clears throat> Radio slime family uh, Anthony is a good friend of mine um, So I'm going to Just see he jumped, he jumped the gun uh, I didn't get to finish giving you His full <laughs> Give you a little bit more about him <laughs> Hey, I just responded <laughs> to questions. brother. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to give you all a little bit more information uh, about him. Just a little bit more. Not all of it. All right. Uh, but he's also former former deputy commissioner, uh, city of Chicago, uh, Department of Planning and Development. Um, he earned his M.A. Uh, in political science from the University, uh, UI, University of Illinois, uh, Urbana. And he earned his J.D. from Loyola University. And with that, I'm going to give you a proper introduction. Assalamu alaikum.
1: <laughs> well, alaikum assalam, brother Tariq. It's a pleasure to be uh, on Radio Islam, and it's definitely a pleasure to be on Radio Islam with you.
0: Thank you so much, bro. Thank you. So um, I want to jump back to because a lot of folks, they, a lot of folks know that the, the city government exists, obviously, uh, but are not really aware of, of all of it, the elements that comprise it. Uh, and you're you're uh, overseeing a, uh, a vital uh, a vital aspect uh, of that of that government. Can you tell the Radio slime family a little bit about what uh, you do as the uh, managing deputy commissioner for the Housing Bureau?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so first, I should probably start with what the Department of Planning and Development does. OK. And the the city of Chicago's. Current modern Department of Planning and Development is really a um, uh, it's 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 a combination of a number of what used to be a number of former departments of the city. The Department of Housing, which did exactly what it sounds like, uh, sort of uh, focused on housing programs, especially especially affordable housing programs and home ownership support programs. Um, the uh, Department of Planning, uh, which did a lot of our urban planning. Uh, and uh, the Department of Zoning, uh, and also some workforce development. All of these departments came together uh, because all of these functions were related, and it made sense to bring them under one umbrella where we could sort of be efficient and we could synergize our efforts. Um, so the Department of Planning and Development really has three bureaus. There's a Bureau of Economic Development that basically focuses on um, commercial and industrial development Um Department of Zoning, which sort of touches everything, uh, because zoning is sort of involved in everything. If you're talking about building, rehabbing, constructing, planning, uh, any sort of land use issues, um, and then of course there's the Bureau of Housing. So I'm in charge of the Bureau of Housing. The Bureau of Housing um, basically manages all of the city's programs, initiatives, efforts, policies. That really have to do with one of the most important aspects of the infrastructure of any city, which is uh, its housing stock. Um, Chicago, in particular, which is a city of neighborhoods um, and are really the backbone of the city, both physically and culturally. Um, housing it becomes such an integral part of the quality of life of uh, people that live in the city of Chicago. And so the Department of Planning, the Housing Bureau, what I do is we um, try and use uh, resources that are available to us to basically improve the quality of life of people that live in Chicago. Now, as I said, Chicago is a city of neighborhoods, um, so that means that um, you have lots of different kinds of people that live in the city, lots of different areas in which they live. Each of these areas has different dynamics. Each of these areas has different needs. The people that, have, that live in them have different triumphs and different kinds of struggles that they have to deal with. Uh, and as a citywide agency, uh, we are really tasked with um, trying to meet the needs and the challenges uh, and enhance uh, the attributes of all of the different kinds of neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, Mayor Emanuel... Has um, made a commitment to neighborhoods, uh, and you know, as a lot of people are aware, you know, we're kind of going through a development boom in the city of Chicago right, right. now. Uh, I think it was reported <clears throat> last week that um, I think we now hold the record in the nation for the most number of cranes in the air right now. Yes, and um, that has to do with the fact that the city is such a great city. Um, we we do we have done some smart planning. Um, we've attracted probably more businesses uh, since 2011 than in probably the 10 years before that. But that that wealth of of progress and development is not shared by all parts of the city equally.
0: Let me ask you: uh, as you mentioned, uh, servicing the neighborhoods as they as they exist, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's much different to be in a position where you where you are servicing the existing um, communities as opposed to being on the other side where people are looking, maybe some people are looking at preserving their communities and other people are looking at maybe moving from one community to another. Okay. Um, so with all the construction, with all of the, the development, uh, with the neighborhoods as they are now uh, and neighborhoods as, as they are changing, could you speak a little bit to, uh, to gentrification and how, uh, how your office uh, maybe uh, impacts or, 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 or deals with those folks who might be pushed out? How do you give safeguards uh, for that? That's
1: um, that's a, that's a re- actually a really good question, and it's obviously a very salient question. Uh, now, as you said, we're going through a housing boom. Um, there are certainly areas of the city that are um, feeling the pressure of stepped-up development, rising property values, rising rents. Mm-hmm and uh we've attempted to uh, address those concerns we 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 want to encourage uh development and improvement in our neighborhoods, but we also uh have to be focused on the need for affordable housing right. and also the need to assist people who have spent lifetimes and generations invested in in neighborhoods uh and uh, assist them with the ability to stay and to participate in the improvement of their neighborhoods when their na- neighborhoods improve instead of just getting priced out. So sure. so we are focused on that. A perfect example is uh, Commissioner Reifman, uh, David Reifman, who runs the, the entire Department of Planning with his um, leadership, uh, recently um inaugurated two pilot programs. Uh, There are three-year pilot programs in specific geographies that have um, been greatly affected by the kind of uh, demographic changes you're talking about. Um, uh, Lots of uh, very accelerated development going on in the areas. Rents are going up. Uh, People are being displaced. You know, sort of indigenous residents are being displaced. Um, So this is along the Milwaukee Corridor. Um, And also in the near north area. Um, So we have two what are called ARO pilots. So the Affordable Requirements Ordinance was an ordinance that was passed originally in 2007 and was recently updated in 2015. What that ordinance says is that if you're a private developer and you're building um, residential, you're going to build something residential Um, that's, that's large, so 10 units or more. Um, if you are getting some sort of a benefit as part of your development from the city, whether that's city land, city financing, TIF, uh, or um, some zoning change uh, that, uh, that, that assists you, maybe it allows you to build more units and make more money, something like that, you then have to provide some affordable units as part of the units that you build. Right. Um, and so what these ARO pilots do it now, you can provide the units – or you can pay a, what's called an in-lieu fee. You can sort of say, "Well, you know what? I'll just pay a fee instead of instead of building these affordable units." Um, in these pilot programs, um, that the option to pay the in-lieu fee is eliminated. So now you have to provide affordable units. And this, the idea is that the affordable units that now have to be produced by private developers, so the city's not paying for these units directly, right? Um, will hope to offset. Um, the the loss of affordability that we see that goes on as 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 rents rise, um, which will allow uh, more and more current residents to to stay to stay in these neighborhoods. And what we find is that um, um, this is this this uh, the the ARO the Affordable Requirements Ordinance has worked very well. It hasn't slowed development at all, and it has produced uh, many affordable units. And also the in lieu fees that are paid are used to then support another program that we have called the Low Income Housing Trust Fund. The Low Income Housing Trust Fund provides rental subsidies uh, for people of very, very low incomes, basically from zero income up to about 30 percent of the area median income. So these are very, very – these people have very, very low incomes. And so uh, it's very difficult for them to find um, housing that they can afford at any level. Right. And so, the in-lieu fees that are paid through the Affordable Requirements Ordinance are used through the trust fund to provide rental subsidies, so that these people can afford to live in, in, in decent housing. Um, so it serves a bunch of it, it serves a number of purposes. And you know, we work on a daily basis with um, what we call delegate agencies, which are basically uh, community and nonprofit organizations um, in the various neighborhoods in the city that help us to do the work that we do because there are eyes and ears in the neighborhoods. And so, for instance, with the ARO pilots, we work with neighborhood organizations that work with the developers to help them find uh, income-qualified people for their for their apartments and hopefully are guiding current residents from the neighborhood to these newly uh, available affordable units. Um, so that's one way we, we uh, deal with um, this this concept of gentrification. Uh, the other idea, the, the, uh, another way is just through the community planning process. So for instance, uh, people are pretty uh, pretty aware that uh, um, the community of Pilson and Little Village is sort of feeling these same pressures now, right? right? Uh, and so as part of our, part of what we do is our planning division goes in and is engaging with uh, residents and stakeholders in the community to do sort of a community-wide planning, right? What's needed? What do you guys – what do the people who live here um, see as issues of importance that need to be addressed? And so the need to uh, make sure that we're preserving affordable housing in the neighborhood as it begins to change and, and improve um, – is one of the key elements of that planning process uh, that's been communicated to us from the current residents. And so that will then be turned into some, some sort of a plan of action for that community. Right. Um, so, so those are some of, the th- some of the ways we address those, those kinds of issues.
0: All right, Radio Slam family, we're talking with Managing Deputy Commissioner Anthony Simpkins, um, the City of Chicago Department of Planning and Development. If you've got a question or comment, feel free to give us a call. Give him a call. Because uh, he's here to answer your questions uh at 1178 that's three one two seven five zero one one seven eight uh so that being said you know so this is really in, in a uh with with cognizance of of uh facilitating opportunities for mixed housing yes um and with that there's also uh there's a conversation that's really uh, it doesn't get talked about as much uh, at the forefront. But it it definitely is realized that the impact of 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 these types of situations on education, quality of life, um, uh, uh, economy, you know, getting getting a job, um, that housing plays into that as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, how do you see how do you see the development of Chicago? Um, over the, you know, I guess over the next five to ten years um, with, with the way things are moving. <laughs> well, you do
1: not ask easy questions, do you? Uh, well, that's interesting. You know, uh, the next five years, it's interesting that you term it that way. So, one of the things that the Department of Planning uh, does, and uh, it's, it's, its predecessor, the Department of Housing, mm-hmm. it, it actually issues a five year housing plan uh so we are in the midst of uh the twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen uh five year housing plan that housing plan basically focused on reacting to the housing market crash okay and what are the strategies what are the policies what are the programs what are the goals that we should have in place to uh help uh a city that was that was impacted by this this unprecedented market crash right yeah. so 2019 uh, will be uh, the year for the ne- will be the first year for the next five-year housing plan. So actually to answer your question is pro- what we will be doing is we will be uh, during the year of 2018, we'll be convening experts, uh, people from the industry, people from government, people from nonprofit sector, uh, uh, statisticians, academics, uh, people from the neighborhoods, stakeholders from our various neighborhoods, we'll be convening over uh, over that year's period of time um, uh, a collection of people to help us think through exactly, in fact, what should our focus be for the next five years? What should our next five-year housing plan be? Uh, and so we'll be doing that during uh, this coming year.
0: Okay. Well, see, I, I know you can handle the, the, the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um uh, with Chicago being a global a global city, absolutely uh, a leader, yes, um, are there uh, is there uh, like cooperation and communication with other leading cities, um, uh, your counterparts, uh, if you will?
1: Yes, as a matter of fact, there are. I mean, both domestically and and um, across across the uh, across the sea. So Chicago uh, is a, a sister city. Um, to a number of other cities in China and and, uh, a number of other cities, South America. So we have sister cities, and we have direct um, uh, communication and exchange with cities across the world. We are, in fact, a a global city. As a matter of fact, the Council on Global Affairs is headquartered here in the city of Chicago. Uh, And um, we're also, um, we also are engaged with, our sister cities around the country as well as a matter of fact today i just had a uh, a conference call with uh housing managers and housing uh uh well housing managers um from a number of our largest cities across uh, across america seattle and boston and dc and uh, san francisco new york um all talking about sort of issues uh, of importance to large cities with large, diverse populations, uh, cities where the cost of living can sometimes be very high. And so um, how to uh, preserve and create affordable housing is a key issue for us, and how to finance that is a key issue for us. So as as you can guess, most of the conversation today was really focused on what's going on on the federal level. Right. um with the budget that's been proposed with the tax um with the tax reform that's been proposed one version in the house and one version in the senate uh and see this is this is interesting this is where often people don't understand the implications the ramifications of uh policies sometimes and why it's so important for uh all of us to try and be educated about the the policies that uh, our politicians, our representatives are talking about. Um, What are
0: some, I'm sorry to interrupt, what are some, uh, because I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, that are taking place right now? You mentioned the federal, uh, the discussions that are going on uh, in our Congress. What's the trickle-down effect? And you're probably getting into it, but I was just like...
1: <laughs> no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there are often unintended consequences to to to, to policies, but sometimes there are uh, consequences that are absolutely foreseeable. And often what happens is those consequences can be ignored if the process that you're involved in is primarily a political process and not a process that's focused on what's good for... Uh, the citizens that rely upon you as as their political representatives. So, for instance, um, in Congress now are um, um, proposals to get rid of certain um, <clears throat> certain tax programs that are very beneficial to uh, the creation and preservation of affordable housing. So, you, we have what are called uh, tax exempt municipal bonds. Right? right? These are bonds that uh, states and a couple of municipalities, New York and Chicago, are able to issue investors, private investors, invest in these bonds, and the the investment capital that they put in those bonds is used directly to uh, fund affordable housing projects. Uh, Probably half of the affordable housing units created in in the country, uh, almost are created through these tax exempt programs they have special they have special bond programs just for um uh preservation of historic uh buildings Mm.
0: Uh,
1: and in the process of preserving those historic buildings um you can produce affordable housing um for if that's 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 one example they have uh special bond programs to uh, generate um, commercial development in underserved communities. Um, And, of course, then we have, you know, the bond programs that help us generate uh, private capital. Uh, So this is not government capital. It's private capital. What the bond um, and the projects, the revenue that the projects generate is used to pay back these bonds. So the bonds don't really have an impact on your local government's um, budget it's it's a great it's they're great programs these programs are slated to 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 be eliminated in 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 the tax legislation in the current tax reform legislation um, some of the legislation is talking about um, reducing the effectiveness of the home mortgage deduction for individuals right. it's talking about as a matter of fact we have a program that we use called the tax smart program the tax smart program is for people who purchase homes in target areas or new home purchasers uh... who meet certain income guidelines they can deduct up to twenty five hundred dollars of their um, of the of the mortgage interest that they pay this is over and above the mortgage interest deduction that you that you normally get on your schedule a for your itemized deductions um, so it's a significant it's a significant savings to uh... to homeowners right especially young families young couples uh, that the kind of people that we want to buy and in, in, in our and strengthen our neighborhoods. Right. The current legislation would completely get rid of that that uh, that incentive for for new home buyers.
0: Okay, we're going to delve into that uh, a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but Radio Slime
0: family, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we are here with Anthony Simpkins, managing deputy commissioner of the Housing Bureau with the Department of Planning and Development. I know it's a lot but it's an important it's an important it's position right so we're going to take you a short break and we'll, we will be right back
1: okay forest animals kids are coming to the forest and it's up to us to make their visit a good one sparrow have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year of course
0: I knew I was stuck at this kid's house for the night, but those guys snuck up on me to try and pull the hand in a bowl of warm water trick. Well, that was enough for me. I went downstairs to sleep in the basement, even though it was pitch black. I left my sleeping bag upstairs, and that was a mistake because it was freezing. I think it was probably the longest night of my life. To read more about the sleepover, check out Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Last Straw by Jeff Kenny. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library and visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Assalamu Alaikum. Soundvision is starting a new initiative to provide crisis intervention to those in need. Through the Crisis Text Line, anyone can text 741 741 and be connected via text to a trained crisis counselor who's there to listen and show empathy. The Crisis Text Line is open to everyone. By texting the keyword SALAM, that's S A L A M to 741 741, users will be connected to a trained Muslim counselor whenever available. You can also volunteer to undergo training and become a counselor. For more information, visit
1: soundvision.com.
0: Back Radio Slime family. I almost I almost went in all the way and just just start, just to busted a rhyme real quick for you. I know every time you all hear this, I just okay. Alright, alright, let's, let's calm ourselves back down. This is Radio Slime. You're listening to us, obviously, at uh, WCEV 1450 am streaming live at www.wcv1450.com uh, don't forget to check us out like us follow us on Twitter Facebook Instagram um, that's really' that's, that's
1: interesting the the, so the many, music so many communication platforms yeah. these days man it's so it's hard to keep up
0: yeah it's, it's quite a few and and we're adding we're adding uh, adding on to it we just we just got on tuning in. Uh, which is another platform, uh, and it hopefully we'll be streaming on there as well uh, soon. But right now
1: you can – It's called TuneIn? TuneIn. Oh, wow. TuneIn Radio. See, I haven't even heard of that one yet.
0: It's kind of a—it's uh, kind of a, an alternative to satellite radio. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I've got it. And, and if they're listening, uh, they need to send Radio Slime a check for that uh, endorsement. Uh, Right. Right, Absolutely. Nothing's free. No. So uh, let me go back to or before I ask, I'm going to let you know, if you just tuned in, who are we talking with? We are talking with Anthony Simpkins, managing deputy commissioner of the Housing Bureau, State of Chicago, Department of Planning and Development. And we've been talking about uh, some of the work that that he does, uh, that that his um, uh, that his outfit does. Outfit, turn it into outfit. a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but some of the work that, that he does and the importance of it. Uh, and one of the things that he mentioned uh, before we went to break, and he, it was about uh, providing assistance for the uh, preservation of historic uh, homes. And I could not help but think uh, at one point my wife and I, we lived in Marquette Park. And I think we, we benefited from a program like this probably about almost uh, – 15 years ago, but we were in a historic brick bungalow and there was some type of funds available for, I don't remember what it was, it was 15 years ago, Um, but it made me think about the uh, bungalows and also about the historic, uh, uh, the gray stones uh, that line quite a bit of uh, King Drive Mm -hmm. um, and Woodlawn area, you know, you see uh, quite a few uh,
1: up and down Garfield and on the west side. So... Um, With regard to historic preservation, and I should say at the outset that the Department of uh, Planning and Development actually has a a whole division uh, that is focused on historic preservation. So, you know, a city uh, of the size and age of Chicago uh, has a number of um, building structures, districts that are historic, uh, and they can come out to uh, block clubs and community planning events and stuff like that and certainly give presentations on what they do okay. uh, and the importance of what they do Um but um, the program that you were talking about uh, is through, so this is, an, and this is another w- w- one of those programs in which we work closely with uh, delegate agencies, uh, okay. other nonprofit agencies outside the city that we work closely with because, again, they are our eyes and ears on the ground. Uh, we support the work that they do, and they support the work that we do. Um, so one of those agencies is the Historic Bungalow Association. Mm. Uh, it's a fabulous organization, and we provide funding to them every year to do exactly what you were talking about, was to provide assistance to uh, homeowners who own historic Chicago bungalows. Um, And that has uh, ranged anywhere from providing assistance with repairs. um, um, And I think currently they have a very robust program for uh, energy-efficient retrofits uh, for historic Chicago bungalows. Um, you can, for any of the programs that we're talking about, if, if, if um, um, your listeners have questions, they can always go to the City of Chicago website, cityofchicago.org, um, and go to Department of Planning and Development. Um, you'll see it under uh, City Departments. And uh, you'll see when you get to the, we- to the Department of Planning website, uh, you'll see that we have housing, we have zoning. We have economic development, we have uh, planning and historic preservation. Uh, click on one of those. most of the stuff obviously that I'm talking about today is about housing, mm-hmm. but all the information that I'm talking about today is available on that website okay so, um, but so the historic bungalow program is one program, and then we have and it's one of that's one of many homeownership support programs that we have as well okay well,
0: uh, you mentioned uh, well i don't want folks to think that i brought up the fact that you were, uh, that you also served as a judge, mm-hmm. um, uh, just to, to show, uh, put, put a little shine on <laughs> the resume. Uh, I want to ask a few questions about that experience sure. as well. Absolutely. Um, what was your biggest takeaway, uh, f- you know, as a judge, what is something, what, what is something that folks who are maybe, uh, who have stood in front of a judge, mm-hmm but are not really aware of? What, what are some things that escape most of us uh, who have never sat on that side?
1: Hmm, that's an interesting question. So I was, uh, I was a, a lawyer for, for, for many, many years, uh, in, heavily involved in the Muslim Bar Association, the Cook County Bar Association, which is the oldest and largest uh, association of black attorneys in, in the country, yeah. uh, Alliance of Bar Associations, Judicial Screening, blah, blah, blah. Um, lots of, uh, just, just very active as, as an attorney, as a city attorney. I was a city attorney. And at some point, the um, Illinois Supreme Court, uh, back in 2014, uh, appointed me to the bench um, in what's called the First Judicial Subcircuit, which is what we were talking about right at the beginning of the program on the southeast side, which right. is sort of the electoral district. Although, as a judge, you, you serve the whole, the whole county. Um, and that was a, that was a, a, an interesting experience. And, of course, where was I assigned? Most judges start in traffic court. So I, I, I was in traffic court for a while, and then uh, I was assigned to housing court yes. uh, that dealt with all the kinds of issues that, that you're talking about, including issues of vacant and abandoned buildings that are in, in neighborhoods, buildings that uh, uh, are in need of repair, Buildings that don't have heat in the wintertime, demolitions, all kinds of stuff. I think I was I was really gratified I was able to really do some good. I was able to help some people out, uh, whether it was owners that needed help uh, uh, taking care of their um, their properties, whether it was, say, tenants who were actually the victims of, of bad owners who weren't taking care of their property, um, to developers and stakeholders, community stakeholders that wanted some help in ridding the community of vacant and abandoned buildings. Across the board uh, while I was on the bench I was able to do some good in that regard and, and that was that was very gratifying. So something, folks you know, I tell you one thing that I took away from the process of being a judge and then running to be elected as a judge. One of the things that I took away, probably one of the most important things that I took away is that um, people don't pay enough attention to judges. Judges are elected. By the citizens. Um, and of the people that citizens elect, whether you're talking about a mayor or a congressman uh, or somebody in water reclamation, sorry, um, <laughs> judges are the most you're, – you're most likely to come into direct contact with and have your life the most directly affected by uh, either police officers or judges, All Right. right? A judge can take your children away from you, or help you keep your children. Can take your house away from you, or help you keep your house. Can take away your freedom, or uh, ensure that you have a fair process that allows you to keep your freedom. I mean, there's and uh, there's all of these. This judges make such critical decisions that so dramatically affects people that affect people's lives. Um, and people really don't really pay much attention to who's running for judge, who they're electing, until they're standing in front of them. Right. And hopefully they are lucky enough to stand in front of somebody who's good, somebody who's conscientious, who listens, who has fidelity to the law, um, uh, who has some humility and compassion, uh, but uh, who's committed to fairness and justice. Or you could stand in front of somebody who's not so good. Um, but that's really about people paying attention to who they put on the bench. So I think that's probably the most the, – the, the largest takeaway I got is that people need to be more invested in this really critical part of our uh, governmental system um, because it's so important. I mean, you know, um, the whole um, – all of the civil rights, most of the – most of the advantages that we got from civil rights started with Thurgood Marshall and others uh, taking matters to court Right. Um, so uh, the court system can be incredibly important uh, if we're paying attention to it if we're paying attention to it yes absolutely
0: so what are some of the uh, what are some of the resources that uh, citizens have where they can stay abreast of who these candidates are Uh, what their track records are, you know, where they stand, if there's an inkling of their their politics um, wafting their way into their decisions?
1: Well, I mean, I can tell you there are lots of resources out there for people to very easily educate themselves. I mean, we understand that people are busy uh, and, you know, not – not everybody's going to put a lot of time and effort into this, even though it's important enough that they should. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of resources out there that are just at your fingertips. So we talk about uh, the Internet. The uh, Cook County Bar Association, uh, again, the oldest and largest uh, association of African-American lawyers in the city, puts out ratings every year. You can go right to their website or give them a call on the phone and get ratings. Um, The uh, Illinois State Bar Association does. There's also, in fact, an alliance called the Alliance of Bar Associations for Judicial Screening. Um, So all of your ethnic bar associations, which is the African-American bar associations, the women bar associations, Jewish bar associations, Hispanic bar associations, Puerto Rican bar associations, gay and lesbian bar associations, they all get together and they – Screen and evaluate judicial candidates, um, both candidates for retention as well as people who are looking to be judge a judge for the first time, um, and they do extensive uh, uh, look into their background, um, their experience, um, their temperament. Um, their Their integrity, their ethics, all that kind of stuff, and then they issue they issue recommendations. Um, so all of the bar associations, whether you're you know Hispanic or an African American, the the uh, you know whatever your particular background, Asian American bar association,
0: and there's still a, a Muslim bar association.
1: There's st- there's a Muslim bar association, there's Arab American <laughs> bar association, uh, there's Pakistani bar association, all of them. Issue recommendations. They very carefully look at these judges and they issue, they issue recommendations. So that's one very easy way to do that is to pick your bar association and take a look at what the recommendations from those bar associations are. Obviously, if you're, um, your, uh, your local alderman or committeeman also usually has a list of, of uh, who they recommend, uh, as, as judicial candidates as well And every candidate, every judicial candidate Is going to have a website You can go to their website and check them out You see a name that you don't recognize Go check out their website And see what, see what, see what they're about
0: Right um, Do you think that Judges behave um, Differently I, I, don't, I don't like the word behave But do you think they, they handle themselves differently When they have a full Courtroom when they have observers, as opposed to just the people that they are, uh, that they are passing, you know, that that come before them uh, in the regular course of business. And I ask this because I was uh, I was at a meeting some some time ago. I think it was last summer. And one of the recommendations that was given from, and this is from a, a from a, a Cook County, uh, well, yeah, I'm not giving a name, but from a Cook County, um, uh, from an attorney, state's attorney, mm-hmm. uh, assistant state's attorney. And the recommendation was is that if you're concerned about the condition of justice or about how it's being um, administered, then one of the thing one of the things that you can do is to show up, show up in a courtroom, and and observe. You know, but make it so that you are. You know, and obviously not whistling, but make your presence known. Um, so what what do you think about that? Uh,
1: so I think that um, at any given time. Uh, uh, speaking as somebody who, who was on the bench, um, at any given time uh, there could be on any given day there could be people in your courtroom observing you, observing you. The various bar associations will send in people to observe you. Sometimes uh, there are institutions, academic institutions, that are doing some sort of research or studies, and they may come into the courtrooms and do uh, observations. There have been a number of studies, for instance, of our uh, eviction court, our eviction courts, that have been done. Um, the court system itself will sometimes um, uh, the uh, the the presiding judges will sometimes have will have folks go in and observe uh, their judges to see to see how they're operating. Um, I tell you, I think personally, uh, this is just from my perspective uh, only. I think that it's probably more effective for you to go in and judge and, and observe judges, and that 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 they not particularly know that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, most most courtrooms, not all, but most courtrooms are public venues. Uh, anybody can go and sit. Uh, there are some that are not. Um, but for most courts are public venues where you can go and, and sit um, and observe anytime you want. Um, it's another way of familiarizing yourself with the judges. I mean, it would probably be just about impossible to go and observe every... Every judge, I mean, there's just too many. There's over 400 judges in a, in, in our county system. Right. Um, but um, if you've got a question about a particular judge, sure, go and check them out. See, see, uh, see, see how they operate. And every section of the court of the court system operates just a little bit differently, right? If you're um, in the section where they do adoptions, right, that's going to operate a little differently than the section that deals with housing. Code violations, and that's different from the section that deals with marriages and divorces. Um, so they're all, you know, all of the sections are a little bit different. Maybe you'd have to come, maybe more than once, just to sort of familiarize yourself with just how how things operate. But you know, judicial temperament is is very is very important. Um, judges have to make decisions and be authoritative and control their courtrooms, but they're also supposed to listen uh, and make sure that everybody has an opportunity to be heard and that justice is served, and that's what you want your judges to do. So
0: we are, <clears throat> we, are, we are winding down a bit, and I want to ask this question. I guess we're going in reverse mm-hmm. uh, from talking about these two different uh, positions that, that, that you've held. Mm-hmm. What was it that actually attracted you to the law um, in general or specifically? Yes.
1: So you're asking me to reach pretty far back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been
0: doing this for a while. Man.
1: I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time. But I, um, uh, as a as a youngster, I think I had already decided that I wanted to do something that um, benefited other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very interested in in uh, how government worked, and uh, saw so gov- government as um, a vehicle where you could really uh, affect other people, other people's lives sort of on a on a large scale uh, basis um, and so I think very early on I was kind of sort of looking in that direction I mean when I started college I think I started in the uh, sciences actually and not the humanities really? Uh, yeah. yeah and uh, <laughs> took organic chemistry and quickly decided that i probably should be (laughs) in the humanities (laughs) and i was very interested in political science and uh you know political science and law are very closely linked Uh, as a matter of fact when i went to law school i got a master's in political science at the same time that i got my uh my my law degree um so i've always been interested in that and um you know in the positions that i've been able to uh have over the years um I've been able to be in positions where I was either making, or helping to make, or helping to guide policy in in many instances. So, so that's that's been very gratifying. Um, yeah, as opposed to you know running off and you know maybe not quite as lucrative, but I think <laughs> in, in the ways that really matter in life, uh, you know, I, I chose to do something that was that was very beneficial.
0: So you have a feeling of. Of, uh, of satisfaction that what you're doing it matters
1: yes and I think that's ultimately what's most important to me is that I get up every day and know that um, I'm going to walk out the door and do something that matters yes absolutely
0: okay thank you very very much um Radio Islam family we've been talking with Anthony Simpkins managing deputy commissioner housing bureau uh, with the Department of Planning and Development for the city of Chicago. Uh, it's been an informative conversation. And we really, you know, when I ha- we have conversations like this, I'm always left uh, realizing just first two things. First, how fast an hour goes. Yeah. Uh, and second, that an hour is not enough. So uh, maybe <laughs> uh, at some point in the near future, you will uh, come and visit us again. And um, once again, would you tell the listeners, the uh, that resource with the city. We're going to put the city hat back on here. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the what's the, the address?
1: Sure. The so you can go to the city's website, which is www.cityofchicago.org dot org, and look for under city departments. Just look for Department of Planning and Development, and all of the resources that I was able to talk about today, and many that I was not, uh, are are there for you. Um, and um, yeah, there you go. Okay.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, in closing, Ramon is our engineer over at WCEV. Thank you very much, Ramon, uh, our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. Our guest once again, uh, Anthony Simkins. Our executive producer, Abdul Malik Mujahid. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alamine, and we look forward to. Having you well meeting you tomorrow night, same time, 6 p.m. Central, I'm gonna leave you as I greeted you. As salamu alaykum, may the peace that only God can give be upon you.